with minutes to spare, Trey. (laughs) We're continuing today in our series on the original Christmas carols as we revisit those four hymns that spontaneously break into the Christmas story in Luke chapter one and two, those moments of praise that punctuate the story and reveal to us the prayers and the praise of those who had been waiting so very long. Today, you get to hear probably the most famous of these songs, not least because of Charlie Brown's Christmas special, but maybe also because you're used to hearing it on Christmas Eve itself. We have waited with Mary and Zachariah. We have wondered in the aftermath of Christmas with Simeon, but today we get to anticipate the thing itself, the moment we are waiting for as we celebrate with the angels and we learn what it means to be lost in wonder, love, and praise and to bow before a baby. Would you pray with me? Father, whether because of my words or in spite of them, may your word be spoken this morning. Whether we come with willing ears or stubborn ones, help us to hear. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. We're almost there. It is so close now. We just got a few days to Christmas. Hopefully, by now, you are starting to get to the point where the signs of Christmas's soon arrival are there in your life. Hopefully, most of the things on the to-do list are done. You got a few that are keeping you up at night, but it's uh, whether you're going to get them done or not, the day is going to come. You know that this is going to be over real soon. In our own house, it finally looks like Christmas. We've been working on it for a while. It's been a little bit different this year. New house, we didn't know where all the ornaments go. We don't know where to put things. So it's taken us a little while. Find not only where things go, but where we put them when we unloaded. But as of this week, the Christmas tree is up with all the ornaments on it. All of the appropriate uh, decorations have found their spot it finally looks like Christmas, which means that we can finally turn our attention in the Precht, the Precht household to the things that really get our hearts ready, the Christmas movies. Maybe you've already started your, uh, your rotation, revisiting some of your favorite films of the season. It's a Wonderful Life, A Christmas Story, Christmas Vacation, maybe, or Die Hard. I mean, some of us are devoted to the classics. But there is one Christmas story that we've all heard more than any others. Almost as, we've heard it almost as often as we've heard the actual Christmas story. We've heard it in so many different ways from so many of the great thespians of different ages, from Mickey Mouse and from the Muppets. We know this story that we love, the Christmas carol. Every year we go back to revisit it and to watch with Scrooge as he revisits the Christmas past and the Christmas present, and the Christmas year, uh, Christmas still to come. I knew it was time for it in our own household this morning as Jennifer and I were puttering about early in the morning. She was singing one of the songs from A Muppet Christmas Carol, and we were remarking on what a remarkable job Michael Caine does in The Muppet Christmas Carol, acting opposite all of those puppets that are just scattered around him. One of the things I love most about the the alienation, the distance that you see between the one human and the whole thing and the people who are, or the the Muppets that are all around is you get a real sense that, that in that story, Ebenezer Scrooge is not living in quite the same world that everyone else is. 
There's this sense of distance that is essential to who Scrooge is on that one night that was made famous in A Christmas Carol. You know, Scrooge is accustomed to ordering the world according to his own desires. His money, his isolation have enabled him to make everything just the way he wants it. But for this one night, he has to go to these different scenes and he has no power over them whatsoever. He's an observer of things that give him joy, of things that stir pain in him, of things that he doesn't want to happen. All that Scrooge can do is watch. And he's utterly powerless as he revisits all of those moments and anticipates those to come. It's a good image for this season of Advent in which we are waiting for something that we can't make happen on our own. And it's a good image of what is coming, of a Christmas that comes with great power, but not the sort that we would have expected or chosen for ourselves. When we hear the angels' song this morning, one of the things that comes through to me is how very powerless we are in the face of all that we are celebrating in this great season. Think about those shepherds there in the fields. You probably know that the shepherds are relatively powerless in their own day and time. We're told that they live in the fields because that is where the world expects them to be. Not in the middle of the town, not in the middle of everything that is going, off, going on. They are, they are off in the edges, isolated, taking care of themselves but without much power to influence the world. They give their time and their whole lives for the sheep that most of the time are not even uh, their possession. They are just the caretakers for those sheep that they watch over in the fields. And there they are sleeping outside, hanging by themselves, kind of separate from all the rest of the world when suddenly an angel comes to them. And if they didn't feel powerless before, surely they do when an angel stands with all the glory of God in front of them. We can only guess why an angel would come to the shepherds. Maybe it is because Jesus is the ancestor of King David, the great shepherd. Or maybe it's because God's power is revealed most often in those places we least expect it. But this angel comes to them in the glory of the Lord and says one of the most common and yet most absurd phrases in all the gospels, do not fear. Do not fear, though a mighty warrior of God is in front of you, shining with the glory of heaven. You know, other stories in the Bible, when people come into the encounter with the glory of God, they shield their eyes, they hide their faces. They say, this might just kill me. But this angel comes to the shepherds, shining in all that glory that has overwhelmed even the great titans of the faith, even Moses. And Elijah says, do not fear. And then goes on to give them reason, says there will be, I have great news of great joy. He tells them about the baby that is born, that is waiting for them in a manger. And then to make the scene over, even more overwhelming, even more obvious how powerless the shepherds are, the angel is joined by a company of the heavenly host, which is to say an angel army. No shade at our choir. You look great in your outfits, in your robes. 
But what you see from your pastor and your angel or in your choir, don't be thinking that this is what the angel choir looked like. It was a company of the heavenly hosts. It was an angel army coming in force and in power. And then they began to sing and what they sang was hard to reconcile with who they were. Glory to God in the highest heavens and on earth peace. They are coming, the angel of army, the angel army of God to announce peace. But they do it not in the strength of their own arms or by their own might or glory. They say that this peace that is coming will be found through a baby lying in a manger. Out of all the remarkable, spectacular moments in this passage, in this story, in this pivotal moment in human history, there is none that seems harder to understand to me than this announcement, that peace is coming through a baby. Shout out to the parents here. How many times have you said, my life never knew peace until I had a child in it? That's not been my experience. I love my children. They are the three most beautiful children in the world. We are greatly privileged, but they have not brought a great deal of peace to the household. Joy, delight, wonder, amazement, yes, peace. Less so. I remember when Elsa arrived. There was a little bit of stress involved. She came a couple weeks early. We weren't anticipating an emergency C-section. And we knew we were in good hands. We trusted the doctors and everyone around us, but there was still a great deal of anxiety and worry when we suddenly found out, oh, nope, go to the hospital right now. It's happening today. And then those first few days afterwards did not involve a great deal of peace either. There was a lot of sleepless nights, a lot of disruptions, a lot of figuring out what we were doing until finally we go home and we are in a comfortable environment. We are in a place that seems familiar and everything finally reaches one moment of quiet. One moment when everything is where it's supposed to be and Elsa is asleep in her crib and I remember looking down at her in what should have been that moment of peace. And in the stillness and in the quiet, I had this overwhelming sense that I could finally admit, I am not ready for this. I knew the, the basics, the techniques. I'd watched our video on how to swaddle and how to shush and how to sway to help her get to sleep. I had the technical aspects down, but there in that moment looking at my child, I realized I am not the fully formed person that I thought my child was going to need. My own life, when I think about my own parents, they seem to me to have always have been who they are and who they were to me. They always seem to have already mastered the things that they loved and that they were good at, the passions that they passed on to me. And as I looked down at my child, I knew that I just dabble in a lot of stuff. I'm not a master of anything. I kind of play my guitar. I kind of fish. I kind of preach. I'm getting better, I hope, at all those things. But I wasn't nearly ready to be a whole person able to present these things to someone who was going to rely on me to learn it. I remember calling my father shortly after that moment and asking him, did you experience this? Did you have this moment after I was born 
when you wondered if you were the fully formed person, when you, when you felt like you weren't yet who you were supposed to be and able to pass that on to another child. And I'll never forget my father's loving, patient response as he waited on the other end and then said, Michael, no, I can't identify with that at all. <laughs> to be fair, your mother and I, we were just a little bit older than you are when you were born. So maybe that had something to do with it. The years have passed. Our children have grown. I don't know that I am any more than I have ever been fully equipped to be the parent that they need. I do not feel particularly powerful. I often, when confronted with my children, now with a, a grown child out of the house, I am very aware of our powerlessness and how much we cannot control. That's a feeling we often have around this time of year. A feeling that if it's gonna happen, it's not gonna be because of our efforts. It's gonna be a miracle of God that it all came together. One of those songs that we sing often reminds me of, it's my favorite, I think, because it doesn't just have the words, but it, the music of it helps us to feel that powerlessness. Just a few days ago, Brittany McDade was going around for social media. She asked us, several of us our favorite Christmas carol, and we all had the same answer. It's that great hymn, O Holy Night, that starts so bright and shiny in a major chord. O Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. But then before we can get to the chorus, it takes a turn, and we find ourselves in a minor key. We don't really associate minor keys with Christmas. We don't associate that feeling of being overwhelmed, of being out of control, of the transition that is there, but it comes to us powerfully, and it matches the words perfectly as we find ourselves singing, fall on your knees, and hear the angels' voices. You know what it means to fall on your knees, don't you? It means submission. It means humility. It means the moment when you've realized that you are not going to be in charge of all this, that you are not going to have enough power to sort it all out for yourself. It means the moment when you know how powerless you are fall on your knees and we are bowing not to the angel army not to the overwhelming might and glory but in that moment of humility we discover that we are bowing to a baby what power does a baby have to fix it to make it all right to make us who we always thought we were meant to be what power does a baby have to reconcile our inadequacies to make us whole? This baby comes to earth and we are led to believe by the angel's own witness that the child is more powerful than all the armies of God and that all the power to reconcile all the world resides in a manger and not in the company of the heavenly hosts. This baby is going 
to bring peace on earth. And the most powerful thing that we can do, the best thing we can do to see God win out is not to take the reins for ourselves, but to bow before this baby. To relinquish every impulse that we have about trying to control or gain power over ourselves or our family or the world. Instead, we surrender it all to this baby born in the town of David. The years have passed. Our children have grown. Each one makes us more aware of how little power we have. One of my friends likes to say, the first child makes you believe in the power of parenting. The second child makes you believe in genetics. Each as different as they could be from one another. And yet each one making each of us more who God made us to be. And I wonder if there is unseen, unexpected beauty residing for all of us precisely in those places where we feel we have the least power, the least control, the places where we most need to surrender on our knees to a child. I wonder if we really believe that the world is changed when we bow to a baby when we learn to expect and receive God's gift precisely in the things we cannot control. Our children, our parents, our brothers and sisters, our neighbors all around us, each one of us and each one of them bearing the image of God who took on our image and invited us to surrender to bow and to admit that the only power we have in the world that is worth anything is the willingness to bow to a baby. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen.